Welcome to Outside Game, the podcast where we bring you sports, entertainment, current events, storytelling, and more. Keith Bullock, the host with the most. And to the left of me, we have my guy, Don Povia. Thanks, Keith. Mr. Monday Night. You know it. On a Thursday afternoon or whenever this might Hey, whenever we can get in the studio to make it happen, I'm going (laughs) to show up. You line it up, I'm going to knock it down. Well, we finally got this going. We've we've done a couple tries, a couple takes, and I'm excited to uh, finally get on the air with you. Yeah, you too, and a real guest. We do. We well, the, the other the other guests were very nah. No, nah, yeah, this, this is, is a real it. guest. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that guest, uh, welcome to the studio. We have Janet Duke. Janet is the president of the startup, as she kept reminding us. Uh, New York Guardians from the XFL, which is appropriate because I think we're a bit in startup mode ourselves. So I think we'll have a lot to talk about. But also we have two New York natives here into football. And uh, welcome, Janet. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to know I'm the first real guest. Yeah, for sure. For sure? Yeah, absolutely. Especially being from Jersey, working with a New York team. I am from Rockland County, New York. Don is a Jersey guy. So we're all pretty much local. And I was born in Brooklyn. Oh, so, so you're really from New York. And I noticed you went to Paramus Catholic High School. I did. I, I was a, lot a of people student that, athlete there, yeah. You're a very good one. Went to North Carolina for volleyball as well. Yes, and, and now we have the ACC in common. Oh, man, you know what? Back, this was an all-Big East linebacker right here. Were yeah, you safety I, at the time? I, no, I was linebacker, yeah. all-Big East linebacker. Uh, the, the thing is... Um, with the Big East, I think Syracuse was better off in the ACC because now when it comes to basketball, forget about football right now, but basketball, basketball. we have to get past Duke twice and North Carolina twice. Playing um, when they were in the Big East, we always knew we went into the season thinking, yo, we can definitely pull off the Big East. You know, we get past UConn, St. John's, those guys. But now we got Duke, North Carolina two times a year. It's uh, pretty tough. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have to say I liked it better when it was in the Big East. Games at the Garden, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, she knows. If we can shift the football for a little bit, we have yet – and um, I wear my jersey pride on my sleeve. You know that, Keith. <laughs> yes. Monmouth University. Yeah. Trenton, New Jersey. Wide receiver. <laughs> See, I didn't bring – no, I kind of brought – no, I wasn't captain there. It kind of reminds, reminds me of um, that no. movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High. <laughs> <laughs> You're the, the Robin Williams character. <laughs> he was wide receiver. Listen, well, I wanted to be Prince's quarterback, if you remember that movie. So. Oh, yeah. oh, I do. Jodie Foster, I that think, was a, right? That was a classic. Where I was going with this, the New York Guardians, yet another New York team playing in New Jersey. We are. We're the 16th, I believe, professional football, oh, professional sports team here, and MetLife Stadium is going to be home. It's home for New York football, so we're going to call it home. That's a huge stadium. It is, but you know, world-class facilities. Um, we're gonna focus on the lower bowl um, and really provide a incredible experience for our fans. And we want to get them closer to the action. And that's what you is your expertise in. Um, how, how was it when you were at the Garden and you had to do dual shifts when you had to work for the Rangers, get their community going, and their winning team, and then maybe you then you have to do the Knicks and maybe during Melo and Amari when they were kind of winning, but it, it's been a long time since the Knicks have really been winning. Um, what are the what are the difficulties, if any, to get those two different fan bases motivated and you know interested in? It's easy when they're winning, but when they're losing. Yeah, for me, I spent. 
first 18 years on the hockey side and took over Knicks and Rangers on the business side from a marketing standpoint, only my last two years. Oh, nice. But we always worked together, right? So we were always in the room talking about different strategies, and it was actually nice to have that group in the room talking about, hey, what's different on hockey, what's different on basketball? But for us, it's, it's sports is cyclical, right? So my first 10 years at the Garden, we never saw a playoff game on the hockey side. <laughs> um, when I got there, the Knicks were, you know, the team of the 90s right. and certainly that grit and that, yeah. you know, physical the, sort of the, <laughs> the physical nature of basketball that they were playing. So, you know, you evolve, right? And for us, it really was about having authentic voice with our fans and going above and beyond and creating experiences and moments for, for season ticket holders, quite frankly. Well, I'd love to kind of pivot that, talk about those strategies, some of the people that you met, whether it was those 90s Knicks, which was just wrought with, with star power. You know, the Mello, Amari, yeah, they struggled on, on the court, but I remember being in the city at that time working and, you know, having to go to, again, Penn Station for my commute, and that was all the buzz that there was. What is the challenge from a, a marketing standpoint, having to introduce not only a new league, a new team, but also new players and stars to the biggest market in the world? Yeah, for us right now, um, before we even get to the marketing, right, I started six months ago with the XFL. Um, we had to find office space for the front office, practice facilities for the coaches, um, you know, finalize things with MetLife Stadium. Um, and right now, we are now focused. Tickets went on sale this morning. Uh, schedule was announced earlier in the week. So for us right now, it's about building that awareness in New York and, and getting through that entertainment clutter, right? There are a lot of things to compete with outside of sports in New York, right? Dining, Broadway, um, so, you know, shopping. Uh, so for us, really... Street performers. Street performers. <laughs> um, I have had many experiences with the uh, Naked Cowboy in Times Square <laughs> back sure at the Ranger playoff thing? games, yeah. So, you know, for us right now, it's about awareness, um, letting folks know that we're here. They want more football. Um, we're going to provide that to them starting in February and really educating them about the game. Um, it's going to look like football, but we want folks to understand what that kind of football that the XFL brand is going to bring them. What is going to like, so who are going to be the players that are going to help market this? Like who are the, what's the demographic? When I say demographic, I mean, what are the target areas? Are we targeting Long Island? Are we targeting, you know, Northern Jersey, Rockland County, Westchester? Like how, um, how is that gonna? Even gonna still, is it that? is it Giants and Jets fans? Is is there a new crop of people that you're looking to attract? Um, I feel like E, all of the above. <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, for us, the tri-state area is important. Um, you know, the research shows that fans want more football. Uh, and for us, really, I think just being in New Jersey, um, both from an operating standpoint and certainly from a practice facility and, and games, we will start um, focusing on high school um, players, youth players, families in New Jersey, but also carrying that over to New York and the boroughs. What are some of your individual personal challenges as being president of the New York team? It's been a wild ride. It's been an exciting ride. Um, for us right now, I think... I've been there for six months, right? Finally, we have things to talk about. Um, it's been a little dormant as we've been planning, right? So we now have a schedule. Tickets are on sale. We figured out what our prices are going to be. You know, we're working on the game experience. Um, my staff is almost hired um, and built, right? So for us, it's really now about we're four months and counting uh, to kick off. So it's it's go time. That's dumb. I'm not envious, let's put it that way, because <laughs> it, it is a challenge, and I, I think, um, you know, 
you mentioned it, it's, it's not just, it, it's all the other stuff that goes around and, and sort of that attraction um, to something new in town and, and a very small window uh, by which to do it. Talking about the game, you said it's football, but it's a different kind of football. And, and also, you know, fans are clamoring for more football. Were there any lessons that might have come about from the AAF and maybe the first time around with the XFL that uh, have been sort of learning points moving forward for this season to, to make sure that it is successful? Yeah, for us, we've had the luxury of time and resources um, to build both sort of the league and the teams. So that has certainly been a difference for us. Um, certainly, our games and our media partners, we're working with Fox Sports and Disney. So all games will be televised, I think, is just a big opportunity to reach fans, right? We've got eight markets up and running. Um, clearly, I'm focused on the New York one. And, you know, from a football standpoint, our commissioner likes to say, less stall, more ball, right? He wants a fast tempo, fast game, fast tempo game pace. Um, and they're, quite frankly, have been doing a lot of research and testing a lot of new rules that well, we'll be announcing hopefully soon um, to sort of bring that style of play to the expectation that they're looking for. So the AAFL, which was the American Alliance Football League, I believe. AAF. AAF. American AAF. Football League, whatever it was. <laughs> um, so so they shows, <laughs> shows what a great job they did. <laughs> hey, look, I didn't. It was I hard really to follow here. I felt like I wanted to know more, but there wasn't yeah, a team anywhere it, in the area. Even wasn't. just lessons learned, even their app, as a guy that was trying to follow, even particular players that I worked with or known in the past, like I just couldn't get the information that I needed, even when I was trying to do it. Yeah, we I haven't had, even launched an app yet. So, okay. <laughs> but you guys. Got but you're going to be on TV all the time. We're going to be on TV all the time. Yeah, you guys uh, got a, a nice television contract, and you guys are talking about. I just heard you say that you know you wanted to you know less stall, more ball. So you're going to make the the game faster, 25 second play clocks. Um, with that being said, obviously a lot of the television money comes from commercials. Are you going to miss out? Is the league going to miss out on that side? I think they're working on what that schedule looks like, right, and sort of where are the stoppages. I mean, clearly we want to make sure from a broadcast standpoint that we're driving revenue and supporting that initiative, um, but there'll be a balance. Right, because the problem with the AAF, they ran out of cash, I believe. And I don't – look, from what I read, uh, Mr. McMahon has done a – Mr. Great McMahon. <laughs> done a great – now, he's a first and foremost to sidetrack a little bit. I find him to be a very great businessman, you know, um, you know, obviously with the whole wrestling format, but to still be going hard. And this is a revival of a league that he tried before about 18 years ago. So obviously he did his due diligence and just like you said, um, researched. And obviously his guy, um, Charlie Ebersole, who was the um, gentleman who started the original XFL with him, tried to beat him to the punch and get the AAF out there and we see what happens. So I'm sure Mr. McMahon um, and, you know, the people that are working with him learned a lot from that experience. Yeah, you know, for here's what I can tell you, right? Um, I'm focused on the New York market. Clearly, Oliver Luck, our commissioner, Jeffrey Pollock, our president, um, they are day-to-day -day, um, with Vince, right? And really learning from his vision and his guidance. Um, you know, we're single entity owned, so that really is a different way of looking at the business side of things. And it really has been a collaborative process between the eight teams, um, my peers, and then all the other markets, and, and the league. Um, and we're trying to get, you know, not just eight teams, but a league all standing up um, in every aspect of sports right now. Be because of that top down, and you seem to have mentioned the, the league and the team, you know, in, in most sentences together, that sort of top down approach, that single entity owned. Um, how much autonomy do you have in terms of building out staff and all those logistical things that you had to do 
um, you know, is it sort of dictated from the top down or is there each team given enough leeway to sort of customize the way they want? Yeah, it's collaborative, right? There are best practices that we share. Um, the league clearly has insights into all eight markets, right? So we're constantly, um, you know, conference calls and meetings, um, sharing best practices. Like what may work in Dallas may not work in New York. Um, and it really has been sort of just doing the startup, having peers that are going through the same thing as you, right? Um, you know, my day one here, uh, Coach and I were announced in a press conference and we were off in Ubers to uh, try to figure out practice facilities, right? So you go through an experience with a, a close-knit group of folks and, and everyone's learning at the same time. Well, this being your first time, well, not your first time, but in this magnitude with football, because I know you had done some marketing things in the past with the NFL, um, and Coach Gilbride, look, he's a seasoned brevet. When I played with the Giants, you know, he was our offensive coordinator. You know, I happen to like him. You know, some Giants fans may feel differently, but I think he did a great job, you know, as an NFL coach. How has he helped um, your introduction to being on the everyday front line of football operations, pretty much? Yeah, he's been an amazing partner. Um, you know, I think we're similar in the sense that we're, we're familiar with the sports fan and sort of this area. And we balance off, collaborate really well. Um, I love the fact that Coach and I have a FaceTime relationship sometimes. <laughs> you know, like, you got to use the technology right. you can, right? Um, I'm certainly in market. So when he's here in market, we definitely get together. He's really laser focused on, you know, scouting and building the team on the field. And I'm his counterpart, right? And making sure that that stadium and that fan experience is, is world class for us in year one. Well, uh, I don't know if you're privy to know, but you guys seem pretty close from what you just said. How, how, what was the process of, you know, picking out the New York team? Um, did he, you know, share with you the type of player he was looking for? Or was it just like, yo, let me just grab the best players I'm familiar with? Because honestly, when we look at the rosters, you know, I might notice some guys, but there are no really standout guys. Um, but that doesn't mean they aren't ball players. I just know he has a, a task ahead of him as a head coach. Yeah, coach has built his team, um, his coaching staff, his personnel staff quickly. He was, you know, ready to go, I think, at the end of May with, with his group, and they've been working really, really hard in market, you know, conference calls, meetings. It's different. They're not all together in the market, right? Coach, the coaching staff is spread out right. right now until December. So, again, it's an interesting way of how teams are – are building and communicating and what that dynamic is. Um, you know, coach is offensive minded and, and he certainly <laughs> built his team um, to make sure that he is covering best in class um, coaching staff around him. You know, for the draft, uh, which was last week, they went in and it was by positions. Um, and he's, you know, there's some local players in there that I think we're excited about too on the business side. Now, none of these players have been signed yet. Um, right. That'll come between now and mini camps in December. And quarterbacks were assigned. So we've got uh, Matt McGloin from Scranton, um, yeah. you know, Penn paid State. for Penn State, has played with the uh, Raiders, he's played with uh, Kansas City. So we had him here last week and he was great. Um, while coach and team were getting ready for the draft, we had season ticket come up they thought they were coming to breakfast with me right. um, but instead they got to meet Matt and that was a great surprise and you know he went to a Penn State alumni event in the city so you know we're embracing um, the players their stories um, and more to come quite frankly JT Barrett just went on the wire from um, the Saints. He's out there. Trent Richardson is kind of a little upset. He's not getting any um, calls from the XFL. So, I mean, you know, it could be somebody. Let's FaceTime coach. Let's have a few coach. words. Um, you know, and, and 70 players um, were drafted, and minute and a half goes by really fast between all the different rounds. Just for the sake of the listeners, and because we were trying to educate ourselves pretty quickly, too, 
that draft process, right? The assigned quarterbacks. I think we figured out a sort of like a waiver system, right? You kind of put your wish list in, and it seems a lot of the guys looking around kind of went geographically uh, focused. The process. Can you just explain the draft process to us? Yeah. So again, you're right on the uh, quarterbacks. The quarterbacks were about a wish list, and then they went out. Um, the quarterbacks were signed before the draft, and then the draft process really was by position, right? And it was it was a snake. Um, you had a minute thirty in between each pick. Um, you know, for me, I've been in the business for twenty years. I've never been in the war room for the Knicks or Rangers, so this this was a whole different experience. Quite intense at the beginning. You really realize how quick a minute and a half goes by, and a lot of scrambling, looking for phone numbers and things like that. But um, you know, it was intense in that room, and they were prepared. And you know, if you're if you're not going to get the guy you want, you've got backups, right? And they've they've watched the film, and they've certainly done the homework. So. You know, more to come on that. Again, we, we've picked 70 players. Um, we'll see who will be on the team as, as camp nears in December. Well, being a linebacker, what I don't understand, and this is a new league, and it happens in the NFL all the time. You see it every Sunday. You get these quarterbacks that are getting paid the most money, and they're not necessarily the best player. And I'm looking at how the XFL is structured, and – Quarter, starting quarterbacks can already earn up to half a million dollars. And that's what, you know, coaches' salaries, <laughs> just by my research, you know what I'm saying, coaches' salaries seem to be. So being a def defensive player, I'm not feeling that. And my question is, like, if there's a star wide receiver or another star player, because I, I just my research, just, you know, quarterbacks, this is what you're getting. But do other positions have the opportunity to, you know, increase their pay? This, you know, from from what I know, um, the salary is structured um, on a base on a weekly basis. Um, they've got incentives built into it, bonuses yeah. built into it. And at the end of the day, right, camp ki kicks off in December. Season's going to be ten weeks, so I think more to come on that. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, in terms of you know earn earning ability, uh, you know, do you have any uh, corporate sponsors in terms of uh, whether it's apparel or? equipment brands, stuff like that, that are exclusive to the league as opposed to, you know, across professional leagues? Yeah, they're all in the works right now. We haven't announced any of the partners outside of the broadcast partners with uh, Disney and, and Fox, uh, Fox Sports. So, you know, a lot of news that will happen between now and the start of the season across major categories. Um, you know, again, we, we've got national, um, single entities, so we've got national rights that we can play around with, and then also there's different ways to look at the business, whether it's locally, regionally, because um, we are a single entity. See, I'm thinking these guys need to take advantage of the TV and the broadcast yeah. opportunity that they get to shine their star bright and then make themselves marketable. I mean, you're in the right city for we're it. In. We're You've in got the social media business. too, right? I mean, everyone's got a story, right? And how do you build your brand on social media? Is something that we're, you know, we're building our own brand, but certainly when the t when the players get into market, working with them on best practices well, and how to do that. What you said about McGloin was dead on, which I encourage everybody to do. It's your your alumni base is going to be your fans the rest of your life, right? He might go to Dallas next year, and all the New York fans might start hating him, but those Penn State Nittany Lion fans are always going to be, you know. Mike or Matt McGloin fans. Yeah, I mean, New York fans love you when you're playing for them, and then, you know, you might have a different relationship when you break up, but right. when you're a New Yorker, you're a New Yorker. So, like, when in 2001, there was no social media, like, and now 2019, there's social media, so players can get out there, 
look, um, you know, run their own campaigns, so on and so forth, to really help marketing um, a lot. You know, these kids are really into it. Um, with, with that being said, is there going to be that same component that there was? Obviously, the most famous guy from XFL history is He Hate Me. Rob so Smart, f- former they, Eagle. Uh, I've had to do my research on that <laughs> one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, are they going um, to allow guys to be creative in that sense where, you know, I felt I found that was cool, you know, back then watching and seeing these guys have their nicknames. Um, seemed like it was a, a lot of fun, you know. I mean, they took the cheerleaders out, getting out of decapitated. It. You know on what I'm the saying? Punts. It seems as if they're going more for the real football game, um, with a little bit of elements that you know you would obviously and the other teams marketing people would would handle. So, what are some of the twists that we might be expected to see? Yeah, you know. For us right now, it's less about the gimmicks and the focus is on, on football. Oliver Luck and, and his team really developing that from, from a product standpoint in, in the game. And, you know, I think, I think we're on record uh, saying there's no cheerleaders, right? But for us, it's about bringing fans closer to the field, right? Bringing them closer um, access, right? And that can be done in stadium at a game, through our broadcast partners, certainly now with digital and the platforms. Um, you know, as a brand and as a team, we control our storytelling and we have a product, um, we're gonna be putting seats on the field um, mm. at MetLife Stadium. So, you know, we want fans to be close to the experience. We want them to feel part of the action, um, but then also, you know, have that relationship. And as you're building a team, um, as you're building a fan base, right, we want them to get to know the players and their stories and have that connection. Well, let's flip that a little bit. Something we were discussing in our research was, you know, we talk about social media and the ability to sort of show their personalities. Keith, you were saying that there's there's that anti-political stance rule, right? So how much leeway are they going to be given to really express themselves? On their own time, I'm sorry. What I read was on their own time, you can do what you want, just like during XFL game time situations, you know, you know. so Colin Kaepernick will not be in the XFL. <laughs> so you can take political stances, say, on your social media on your off day, but... I- that's just what it's from reading. I'm curious. Um, We're, yeah, not accusing. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen any corporate policies or social media policies, um, again, given to the players no, yet. We only it, felt, it yeah. wasn't social media. It wasn't anything like that, no. Yeah, for, for us, you know, what I've heard is we're going to respect players' um, personal freedoms, right, and, and their voices. But at the same time, you know, at the same time, the league is looking at certain policies, whether it's around Anthem or yeah. how they're conducting themselves on social media. There will be policies, I'm yeah, sure, I'll coming be, out. I'll just be clear. Um, what I read was that during, like, for example, easiest example is no kneeling. You know, football, this is a football league, you know what I mean, you know. They respect everyone's political stance and everything, but do that on your own time. When it's time to play football, that's what we're coming to the stadium to do, which is fair. You know, I understand that. Yeah, uh, Commissioner Luck, I think, is on record saying that the players will stand for the anthem. Mm-hmm. So, crossover. Oh, Prince but you could smoke weed. You could. They won't be testing. <laughs> they will not be testing. And you know what? No, I'm just. I said that like joking, being facetious. But all jokes aside, I, pl- I played in the NFL for 11 years. Definitely smoked weed during my career. We knew we were being, you know, whatever. Everybody's heard, heard the story. But my point is, I think that the NFL will have less problems if they just left it alone. You know, if they didn't, you know, make an issue of it all the time. Like, oh, this guy got caught for this, this guy caught for that. Obviously, I'm giving my own personal gripe because it's like when you get injured, they're going to give you opioids and stuff like that. That's even worse for you long term. So, I don't know. I just went on in the side. Sorry. And, uh, no, <laughs> I, and I've been saying from the beginning, it's going to be more and more difficult as 
society, I think, again, over you know, a dozen and a half states now have legalized it in some capacity. So socially, it's becoming more acceptable. And then how do we still frown upon it in professional sports leagues? And to Keith's point, and, and, and Jonathan at our last event and spoke very in depth about the, the, the opioid problem, too. So don't be a hypocrite and get with the times. <laughs> and that, and I feel from you know reading about the XFL, that's what they're they're just being just progressive. Right. It's a progressive league. I feel as if um, you know they've learned from the NFL, the old XFL, and the AAF uh, to put this product together. So it's going to be a new approach, right? I think yeah, from the business sure. side, from the football side, um, you know, football is America's favorite sport, and I think for us, it's going to be about engaging with our fans and the game that we have on the field. Oh, a, a question. So what about um, as far as um, the rules, like contact, the hitting rules, um, you know, how the NFL has – they're, they're big on how you can hit a player or – tackle the player are you are you privy or up on any of that it's the linebacker speaking again but he's <laughs> got that quarterback paycheck in the back of his mind and um, here's what i can tell you my first week i went down to uh, spring league in texas got to see a lot of the rules that they were trying out researching right got to see a lot of uh, wearables performance stuff that they were working oh, nice. on seeing the videos what Oliver and uh, headquarters and the league decide, I think more to come on that. I don't want to spoil any of the yeah, surprises no, here. So like, if I give it away here, <laughs> what am I going to announce? Absol I think absolutely. PR folks will kill me. Absolutely. I just, you know, you got the... Um, <laughs> <laughs> She's PR right behind me the over corner, there. Yeah, PR uh, exactly. in the corner. Like, yeah. Nah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. It's coming. It's coming soon. Okay. I mean, you know, camp mini camp will be in market in December. So um, where's mini? The, every all mini camp camps are held at one local market. Uh, mini camps are held in local market, and then more to come on a centralized camp later on. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah I was hearing they're shipping Getting everybody excited. to Texas for uh, for some camps. We're gonna kick off in uh, New Jersey, New York. Okay, I like that. <laughs> I, th I mean, I think you need to, right? Just from a, a business standpoint, you need, as you said, your your main goal here is introducing the team, the league, and the players. So, don't send them to Texas. Keep them here in Jersey. Let them freeze a little bit. Yeah, we want to make sure we have some open <laughs> practices, right? Get the players out in the community. Make sure that you know, we can introduce them to the fans. And you know, if, if they're away for a centralized camp, they'll be back um, just in time for kickoff. So are all the teams, are all eight teams, um, presidents, um, marketing people, are they coming together to figure out a launch at, for the league entirely? Um, are you guys collaborating, figuring out, you know, the best way to come out in each individual states alone? Or is it a whole collective thing from, from everybody that's top general manager, head coaches, and presidents? Uh, all of the above, right? There's collaboration on the local level with myself and my team. There's collaboration with um, headquarters, certainly against all eight markets. Wh what are you doing? What's working in your market? Um, partnerships will play a, a big role in that, right? And what kind of support we have. Working with the uh, venue and, and MetLife Stadium to figure out the do's and the don'ts and like what access we'll have. So it, it certainly is a collaborative process. Um, you know, right now, tickets just went on sale. So for us, the, the next step here is to finalize all the day of game planning. Are you a Jets or Giants fan? I'm a New York football fan. Oh, man. <laughs> who, is your favorite, who is your favorite football player of all time? Uh, growing up. Ooh. No, of all time. It has to be from a childhood, I'm sure. Uh, growing up, you know, I had a younger brother uh, into football. We were more hockey. Like, my parents are from Europe. I'm first generation born here. Oh, so nice. we were into hockey, basketball, tennis, boxing. 
um, soccer. So for me, NFL was Giants, you know, Phil Simms. That's your favorite Carl. team. Just found out. <laughs> <laughs> got her. It was going to come out. I know you got me. Uh, can't, can't lie to you. Uh, so, you know, I back in the day. I was yeah, going to say, there was Giants. That's, yeah. that's when sure. this, yeah, they were successful yeah. back then. Yeah. Yeah. Right? LT and Sims. But you're a Philly guy, so you don't, you, we don't want to hear Believe you, me, they were in the league. I had, had to watch it the Recent success, time. right? Yeah. yeah. Well, Seth Joyner was my, like, he grew up in my, pretty much my hometown. He and my brother were friends in high, they were, like, very good friends in high school, so. So I, I have a question. Um, what does success look like for you? Uh, as in your role, and, and do you feel for for the league as a whole? So, this first season, how are you going to mark success? We definitely have our individual KPIs, right? Of that, we're rowing against whether it's ticket sales. Um, certainly, you know, ratings will play into that engagement with our fan base. But for right now, the focus really is on operationally standing up these teams in these leagues. Um, and I, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a white sheet of paper, right? So every little thing we're like, oh, um, we've got to think of that. It's got to go on the to-do list, right? But for us, um, I think in my opinion, for, for our market, it will be attendance at games, um, how much we grow and engage um, in building a fan base. Um, again, whether that means you're buying tickets or you're engaging with us on our social media um, handles is important. And then, you know, it's sports, right? So you've got the wins and losses, which, which always play into it. Well, you left a long, you know, career one place to take this challenge. Like something, there's something about you is like says like, yo, I could do this shit. Like, sign me up. <laughs> you better believe you know I can saying? do this. <laughs> um, like, what what do you feel that this organiz this league is getting from you? From me. Um, listen, I grew up at the Garden, right? I pretty much, 18 years there, did everything you can imagine from being a sports executive. Um, the resources, the iconic brands, right? The building, the deep roots of a passionate fan base. I left there. I went to On Location, NFL On Location, which was a spinoff. Um, you know, I think I, I'm liking this startup space. This is my second startup with the XFL. Um, I like the fact that, for me personally, I've broken out of marketing a bit, and it's more about business operations. Um, I've done it throughout my career, um, necessarily not getting credit for it. Um, always kind of pigeonholed as a marketer. Yeah. Um, but marketing means a lot of different Top things. Top 40 of 40. Oh, you did your research. <laughs> uh, so, so for me, um, listen, it's badass. Like, yeah, I'm sure. I'm president of a football team. Absolutely. Um, does it's it's a little hard to date these days, but you know, um, <laughs> what do you do when you um, guys start winning? You got, yeah, like... right. When they start winning, they'll start lining up, maybe. But you know, for me right now, um, my expertise really is in three categories. Right, it's transforming brands, it's engaging with fans, is what I've done my whole career, and and quite frankly, what they call go to market and ticket strategy. Right, um, those are things that I'm good at. And those, that's what I bring to the table. My peers in other markets um, have different skills, right? So I think that's sort of how the presidents were built, is that we all come to the table with a unique skill set. Um, and we're all a little badass in our own way. Yeah, for sure. I was also going to say, um, I would think New York, I, I was thinking the whole time New York would be an easier market because it's bigger and you're more familiar. But it might be harder because it's the bigger market. You know, I look at somewhere like St. Louis, you know, you can get niche, DC, it's niche, whatever, however you say the word. <laughs> but, <laughs> but New York, like, as we started off, we were talking about, is it going to be Jets, Giants, Long Island, New Jersey? Tell me That's about it. Shit, um, <laughs> you know, I th when the presidents were hired, we, we all came from our local markets, right? So I'm here because I understand this market. Right. Um, similar challenges with 
you know, the time I spent on the Rangers, right? How do you build a fan base? How, what's your footprint? You're talking about three states. You've got Long Island. You've got the boroughs. You've got Connecticut. Like, the money is not endless to reach all these fans, right? So you really have to sort of build that strategy and, and start at the core and slowly over years work your way out. And for us, you know, we talk about the fact that we're a New York brand and it's New York football. And football, New York football is played at MetLife Stadium. Um, Jersey. At, at the <laughs> same time, right, we're operating in New Jersey. Our front office is in Jersey. The stadium's in Jersey. And, and quite frankly, the practice facility and the coaches' offices are going to be in Jersey. Wow. So the Hudson River's become a really good friend, you know. <laughs> like, we're making sure that we're embracing the region and the tri-state area. So you will see us in Connecticut and in New York and, and in Jersey for sure. It does sound a lot like you know, I have a, a former colleague that's now working with the uh, Dallas. No, the can, no, not on in the XFL, but with uh, like the WNBA and the Lacrosse League, um, not the NLL. I think MLL, whatever, whatever it is. But that sort of the way that they have to approach fans and cultivate fans in a, in a big market in Connecticut. Um, so it's it's. I think your background kind of led you to where you are right now. I hope you so. Say, you, <laughs> you say you've shifted, but I think like everything's kind of funneled into, well, this is what needs to be done, and I have the experience and background and you know the know-how in the market to actually do it. Yeah, you also have digital and social tools these days that you didn't have back in the day, right? Um, back in the day, you were taking out ads in, in print and in newspapers and things like that, right? And relying on other parties to, to talk about your voice. You know, for us, what's important is that we build those relationships with our fans, um, and we are the ones that are communicating with them on a daily basis. How, like, fans are very fickle. So, like, you feel like you put together this great campaign, yo, this is going to rock, and we put it out, and then it goes south. Not because it wasn't bad. I mean, because it wasn't good. Just because the fans didn't like it or the team, the, mo the, the momentum wasn't right. How do you bounce back from that? Because you've been in it for a long time, and I know you've had to have those moments before. It's like going out and having a shitty football game. You know, you got to come back the next week and answer the bell. How, what's that, how is how that much challenge? research did you do on me? Hey, um. I come prepared. That's why I was an all-pro. <laughs> Listen, 20 plus years in this market, um, what I've learned over the years, and we, we can talk about the successes and the failures, um, the voice and what New Yorkers expect are authenticity, right? right. Don't sell me the BS, right? right? Don't sell me a team on the field, on the court, on the ice, whatever, that doesn't live up to my expectations. So from a message standpoint, be real, be authentic, and speak to the fans, right? On the same time, you're in this area, the region, right? New York, New Jersey, tri-state. The people are all about, um, what I've seen is people want their sports teams to reflect their values, right? They want to see grit. They want to see hustle. They want to see heart. They want to see passion. That doesn't always mean winning season, right? right? But the effort needs to be there. And if your messaging um, can relate to that, I think that you've you've gotten ahead of it a little bit with your fans, right? They're, they know sports is cyclical. You're not going to go out there and win every game, right? But at least you're being real about the message and the connection. I, f I, f I find that to be true. Um, I've had, like, played through a 4-12 and 12 season, and really the 4-12 and 12 season stands out the most because I remember we were 4-12. and 12, um, The last game of the season was a home game. We lost to the Cincinnati Bengals, like the real Cincinnati Bengals. Um, but what I remember most about that being the last game um, was that our fans, um, Nashville, small, small market, small fans, um, but – they all stayed, you know, clapped, you know, gave us a standing ovation, and we didn't, we didn't have a. Obviously, we we're a four and twelve, but 
it was a down year. We were undermanned, and I think the fans, they were in tune to us, and they knew that. So, um, what, our marketing department is to thank for that because at the end of the day, you got to keep those fans in the seats and keep them in tune even when the team isn't doing well. So yeah, you got yeah. to send that season ticket package out for next, <laughs> next year. Yeah, no well, well, Come see our 4-12 and 12 team. No yeah, doubt. but you know what? Like Fans want more than just a ticket to the game these days, right? And when you are a season ticket holder, it's about access and benefits and things that the person who's maybe just buying one game every couple of years doesn't get, right? Um, to me, early on in my career at the Garden and certainly with the Rangers, was building that value for those season ticket holders right and giving them that value and sort of access to things that perhaps they didn't have and valuing their time and their financial commitment right because at the end of the day I mean who are you without your fans um, <laughs> you know and, and they will they will forgive and they, they will forget and they will go through the roller coaster with you but you've got to be good to them at the end um, and speaking about my marketing campaign so oh boy back at the garden uh, Maybe we went through seven, eight non-playoff years on the hockey side, launched a campaign. Everyone approved it. Um, hockey's different here. It was really completely taken out of context. Um, it was meant to show that the relationship between the fans and the players is different here. Right. And after not having a really good season, that campaign lasted one day. Opening <sighs> night, it came down. Wow. I got killed in the New York Post wow. <laughs> for it. And you want to talk about a short-lived campaign all summer we spent time oh, one, research, day. one day gone damn so i've seen it do you have a backup props uh we scrambled really <laughs> i don't think i slept that night but we came up with the backup that's props like yeah you didn't even you expect it oh wow yeah so i've seen it so let's hear the uh let's hear the elevator pitch for the new york guardians <laughs> so oh where do you want to start here uh, the XFL is about football and fun. It's about fast-paced action, and the Guardians are one of eight teams kicking off at MetLife Stadium on February 9th, 2020. Nice. We might have to go check it out. You guys better come to the game and check it out. I want to sit on the field. I was I've just, never I was sat. Just You've never on sat on the field? Well, you know what? They do that at the no, the um, the soccer, soccer team. Um, yes, uh, the, um, NYCFC's yes. got seats at Yankee Stadium. Somebody, Actually, somebody Coach invited, and I went there. Somebody that invited awesome. both of us. Keith got... Different games. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'll go too, right? Send me and <laughs> yeah, we had the in cut. the rain. I was in the rain up in the up. Nah, we had the crab legs in the little section and everything. We got hooked up. Coach and know? I went um, when we unveiled the team name and they hosted us and we sat on the seats right next to the right next that's to the bench. Awesome. It was cool. That's what happens when you're all pros and you're president. Is he a soccer <laughs> fan, or did he? Just... His daughter played. Okay. She played at the collegiate level, so he was he was definitely into it. My daughter plays volleyball, so I'm gonna have to get some. Um, ah, what she's position? only 11. See, I, you were a S and a uh, I don't know what they mean. S W. I was a swing hitter and a middle blocker. Yeah. And I was short. Uh, well, she's you're short. I was short. Wow. I had I had a good vertical, but I'm <laughs> I, I was like the. Th Second or third shortest on the team at Carolina. See, like now, like having girls have three daughters, my old, I have to get used to like these sports I never played. I'm very familiar with them. Volleyball was one of my favorite gym class, you know, gym activity. Class. I would dominate. I didn't even play volleyball in gym class. I opted out. Right, of course, because you're a volleyball <laughs> beast. Like, what are with the North Carolina? <laughs> you got a D1 scholarship. Like, what's going on here? What other sports are they into? Um, soccer and track. So yeah. volleyball, soccer, and track. Um, we felt like the track team at Carolina. I've never ran so much in my life. But yeah, <laughs> playing it's volleyball. Like play volley yeah, he had, my coach had us running like miles. I'm like, you do know that we should be sprinting, not like long Yo, distance you, running. You, like stand still. Yeah. Until it's like a reaction. It's sport. more about like running this way, vertical. Yeah. 
Yeah, so like we, I got to get her right because right now she's one of the taller girls, but her like hit is like that. Like she doesn't. She hit. doesn't swing yet. Nah, yeah. So right. talk to you off air about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Practice tips. Absolutely. At least you got athletes. I got three girls. I, I, well, that's your fault. They're all. They're <laughs> all I, I was a dancer ah, growing let, up. Let them try too much stuff, and then they, you should have just focused them. Like, they dance. No, no. They're runners. I was a dancer, yeah. a gymnast. I was into ballet until my dad realized I was going to be tall, and he's like, "You're taller than all the boys." Because every class picture came back, and like all the girls <laughs> got back there. All the girls got to sit in the front row, and I was always in the back with the boys, and I was still taller <laughs> nice. at that age. My dad's like, "She's playing sports." Yeah, my, my oldest is that's is awesome. into guitar lessons now, so she's like the artist, right? She's she wants to be a designer, and nice. she's. Really Really good, so that's great. She All loves right, Kenny yeah, Rogers. Do that. No, uh, Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson. Yeah. Willie Nelson. Same thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not really, but they're both old. <laughs> this is the guy from Nashville, Music City, over here. I was gonna say, like, did you line dancing down when you're in? Nah, you know, um, no, I, I don't do line dancing. I know where to go if you were interested in that, um, but nah, I, I just chill, man. My friends own bars. I'll go to a couple bar, I'll bar hop, and stay home. Nashville has become a like a tourist destination. Yeah. So, so many people come through Nashville. It seems like every other weekend I'm out because someone's like, hey, I'm in Nashville. Okay. All right, so I'll come out. And when people are in town, I make it a, a thing to do. So when can I come curling? Oh, and, and like, someone else has done their <laughs> research. I, mean, listen, I, 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 spent, I spent 18 years in hockey, right? That Canadian oh, thing kind right. of picks up. Our GM, Glenn Saylor at the time, was really into curling. So I'm curious how you got started and when can I come? I've, I've, I'm dying to try it. Um, so that's funny you say because we have a tournament starting tomorrow in Bridgeport, <laughs> Connecticut <laughs> that I have to go to. Uh, um, how I would I, come. I'm in Carolina tomorrow. Oh, all right. Good. I got out of that one. <laughs> um, Nah, man, uh, Jared Allen, a former uh, player, he moved to Nashville, and his daughter goes to my school, and he's he's a, a great personality. Like, he just, like, he bet his friend 100000 that he'll go pro in something else over some whiskey. That's <laughs> 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 um, so what it so happens. That's what happens, yeah. His first thing was to make the PGA cut. He saw how impossible that was, <laughs> and then he was like, Maybe I'll do badminton, and then he looked YouTube and saw how good the Taiwanese were at badminton, <laughs> and then he said curling. He saw, you know, some older older men, some older white guys out there, and he's like, "Yeah, I can compete with these guys." So he is one now. Yeah, he's not. Yeah, he's still in shape, but um, yeah, he hit myself, Michael Ruse, um, who played offensive tackle with me in Nashville, who I didn't think was gonna make the cut because he was born in Estonia, and I wasn't sure if he was a citizen. Uh, but he's a citizen, and Mark Bolger, um, quarterback, uh, went to West Virginia, played for the Rams and um, the Ravens, and we make up the all-pro curling team. But we got a ringer this year. We how many wins? How much do you practice, <laughs> and what is practice like? Ah <laughs> oh, man, see, um, we don't. That's the thing. See, that's the thing. Our goal is to make the Olympics, right? Um, but being a former athlete, I know you got to practice a lot. We don't practice a lot. <laughs> <laughs> now we get up to Minnesota about four or five times a month to put in double session practices. Um, and then we have ice in Nashville, but it's hockey ice. It's not not the same. It's not um, no, no, no. regulated ice. So all we can really do exactly all we can really do is work on our slides. So, um, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty frustrating for me because I want to be good, but I'm not giving myself all the opportunities to be good. So. There's no curling facilities? Nah, we were going to try and build one. And you know what? I've been to Bonspiels in Minnesota, uh, North Dakota, all crazy places that I would never go on my own. And um, 
Those things are packed. Oh, I'm sure. Those are packed. Think like, about and it's cold up there. Think yeah. about the stupid like axe throwing stuff. Yeah, right? those things are. Oh, I'm, I'm waiting to do that. This, yeah, but Come this, to is, this is <laughs> I would rather I'd rather curl than throw axes. Yeah, uh, me and my guy Nando, we done we done um, ice curling before. Um, it's not as easy the first time, especially when you don't have your own shoes. They give you these little slides, and like I've seen people like bust their ass so many oh. times. And it's the There's a lot of technique to that. Head. You know what me and yeah. non, me and Nando called ice bocce, right? Yeah, it pretty much is. <laughs> Same thing. But yeah, that's that's it. Um, I don't know how much longer my curling career will be, but I'm going at it strong. You know, life life situations. You know, this hobby of going and curling. Just you know, I'm starting starting businesses and stuff and restaurants. So. Well, I'd love to see if Janet has any more questions for Keith. What kind of food are you into? <laughs> uh, you, you have know, a restaurant. I'm, I'm a bit of a foodie, and I'm an investor in a restaurant, too. I'm so, curious. oh, man. I invested in a restaurant back in 05 on the Lower East Side. It was a barbecue restaurant called Smoked. Mm. Um, it, you know, it was crazy because it was at a time I just was making so much money. And, like, I, like 150000 was like, yeah, I could do that. You know what I mean? Um, didn't go well. But... <laughs> To answer your original question, I like all types of food. I just stopped eating red meat August 1st, mm. so it makes it kind of tough. But You can't give up a good steak. I'll definitely go back to a steak eventually. It just has to be the right time. But I say Italian and soul food. Mm. All right. Shake it. Do you cook? I, shake the Do you table. Cook? I cook all the time. Chef Bully. Chef Bully. You can follow, follow him on Instagram. You'll Instagram, catch him. It's my name, <laughs> Keith Bullock 53 I'm We're going to have to get on that one. Chef Bully. That's right. how they know me. So I've got a football question for you. You mm -hmm. played at MetLife Stadium. Yeah, for sure. What advice would you give our players? Uh, the advice I would give them is just to focus on what's going on. Because at MetLife Stadium, there's like I remember um, it was the first preseason game when I played with the Giants. It was the first game ever at MetLife. And I've never been to Hong Kong, but I felt like it was I was in Japan with all the lights and everything. Like I'd never seen a stadium like that. I played in the first game at the AT&T Stadium in Dallas mm -hmm. when I was with the Titans and couldn't compare to, um, you know, what MetLife was like. So I would say, you know, when it's time to ball, ball, forget about the fans on the on the um, in the stands and on the field and. Just have fun, enjoy the moment because it's one of the best stadiums in America to play in. It is, and in February we'll be ready. And we'll be there, right? Yeah, we'll come see it. Yes, come yeah, see bombers it. And I'll all. have you at the bombers, game. Bombers, gloves, and scullies. Seat, seats on the <laughs> seats on the field. No doubt. I can't, I can't promise the weather. Hot chocolate. As long as I got some we'll get you a cocoa. toque. Yeah. A who? A toque. Okay. Canadian knit hat toque. Oh yeah, like the Fred Flintstone thing. Come on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Janet, where can we find you? Where can we find the Guardians? So, xflguardians.com. That was easy. That was easy. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming. Appreciate the time. It was this really is great. Fun. Janet Duke, president of the New York Guardians, a new XFL team. Check them out at MetLife Stadium coming up in 2020. Looking forward to it, figuring it out, doing a little research, and understanding the game, watching that fast pace. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Keith, we had our first real guest. Real guest. It was a hit, smash hit. That was fun. Word. Should we try it again? <laughs> All right. Till next time, I'm Don. That's Keith. Check us out at theoutsidegame.com and the Outside Game on all our socials. Should get it done. Uh, we'll see you next week. Peace. <laughs>